Chapter 40 of McClellan's Own Story by George Brinton McClellan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mike Manalakis. Chapter 40 Private Letters, October 1st to November 10th, 1862. October 1st, Sharpsburg, 7.30 p.m. Received this morning a mysterious dispatch from which I inferred that the President was on his way hither went to Harper's Ferry and found him with half a dozen Western officers. He remains at Harper's Ferry tonight. October 2nd, A.M. I found the President at General Sumner's headquarters at Harper's Ferry. None of the Cabinet were with him, merely some Western officers, such as McLaren and others. His ostensible purpose is to see the troops and the battlefield. I incline to think that the real purpose of his visit is to push me into a premature advance into Virginia. I may be mistaken, but think not. The real truth is that my army is not fit to advance. The old regiments are reduced to mere skeletons and are completely tired out. They need rest and filling up. The new regiments are not fit for the field. The remains of Pope's army are pretty well broken up and ought not to be made to fight for some little time yet. Cavalry and artillery horses are broken down. So it goes. These people don't know what an army requires and therefore act stupidly. October 3rd. I was riding with the President all yesterday afternoon and expect to do the same today. He seems in quite a good humor, is accompanied only by Western people. October 4th. The President is still here and goes to Frederick this morning. I will probably accompany him as far as the battlefield of South Mountain, so that my day will be pretty well used up. October 5th. The President left us about 11 yesterday morning. I went with him as far as over the battlefield of South Mountain, and on my way thither was quite surprised to meet Mr. Aspinwall en route to my camp. The President was very kind personally, told me he was convinced I was the best general in the country, etc., etc. He was very affable, and I really think he does feel very kindly towards me personally. I showed him the battlefields, and am sure he departed with a more vivid idea of the great difficulty of the task we had accomplished. Mr. Aspinwall is decidedly of the opinion that it is my duty to submit to the President's proclamation and quietly continue doing my duty as a soldier. I presume he is right and am at least sure that he is honest in his opinion. I shall surely give his views full consideration. He is of the opinion that the nation cannot stand the burdens of the war much longer and that a speedy solution is necessary. In this he is no doubt correct and I hope sincerely that another successful battle may conclude my part of the work. October blank, 1862, Pleasant Valley I received today a very handsome series of resolutions from the councils of Philadelphia, thanking me for the last campaign. The councils pitch into the government for not thanking me most beautifully. The phrase about my having organized victory is a cut at Stanton, who last winter issued an order scouting the idea of organizing victory, and rested on the sword of Gideon and Donnybrook Fair. I believe I will try to acknowledge them now, so I can send you the resolutions tomorrow. Pray keep them for May, with the thanks of Congress, etc. I have also some resolutions of the Councils of Baltimore, which I have not yet replied to, and which I will send you in a day or two. October 25th. I hope my bridge at Berlin is finished, and if so, I can cross some troops today, and shall be all ready to march the moment the cavalry is ready, which will be shortly. 
I don't think Lee will fight us nearer than Richmond. I expect no fight in this vicinity. My report is at last finished, and will, I presume, be copied today. I see that there is much impatience throughout the country for a move, but am crippled by want of horses. I sent Bishop McIlvain over to Harper's Ferry in my ambulance. He is accompanied by the Reverend Mr. Clements. October 26th. I move a respectable number of troops across the Potomac today, the beginning of the general movement, which will, however, require several days to accomplish, for the cavalry is still terribly off. Yesterday, a telegram received from the President asking what my cavalry had done since the Battle of Antietam to fatigue anything. It was one of those little flings that I can't get used to when they are not merited. Pleasant Valley, October, blank. Since about three this morning, it has been blowing a perfect gale, several tents blown over, etc. The bishop preached a very good extempore sermon on faith, a very impressive one it was, too. Service was in the little brick church that you remember just beyond the camp in the direction of Brownsville. They are working very hard to tie my tent fast with ropes. Hope they will succeed. I strongly suspect our chances for breakfast are decidedly slim. Your father and I have been waiting for a very long time, and affairs don't seem to make progress. I confess that I am becoming hungry and cross, very hungry and rather cross. You had better send me two uniform frock coats. I begin to present a terribly poverty-stricken appearance. Ah, Andrew says that breakfast will soon be ready, that the Whittles is very slow cooking this here windy morning. I hope his estimate of time will not be out of the way much. Pleasant Valley, October 27th. I commenced the crossing yesterday. I returned a few moments ago from a trip to the blanks to say goodbye to the bishop and to present your album. The visit was so characteristic that I can't omit telling you of it. I found the family at dinner in the kitchen. They wanted me to take some dinner in the dining room, but I insisted upon sitting down with them in the kitchen, which delighted them beyond measure. The old lady went nearly frantic to think of General McClellan sitting down to dinner in the kitchen just like any common man, etc., etc. I got a little more than I bargained for in the shape of the guard coming in before I got through, but I kept on. The guard was rather more put out than I was, as he was a regular, but he could not get out of the scrape without a scene, so he went with through with it. The album created a terrific scene of delight. More oh my's were expended on it than I have heard for a couple of years or so. The old lady went almost out of her senses. I put the photographs in it for them, and wrote her name, with your regards, on one of the blank leaves. All sort of inquiries were made about you, the baby, and mamma, and when I left Mrs. Blank, wished me to kiss the baby for her and give gold love to you. The old lady said that she'd been a mind to send me for some beef, so I told Bates just now to get a good large piece and take it up to them. They would not take any pay from the bishop, because Colonel Hammond had sent more money to pay his bill than they thought right, so they squared accounts and cleared their consciences by refusing any pay from the bishop. Some artist of an illustrated paper had been there taking a sketch of the house, and left them a very good copy, which delighted them very much. I gave them that copy of the President and myself, which you sent them, so that I think they are now a very happy family. All of them sent very kind messages to you, which you can consider delivered. October, blank, Berlin. We are now near Berlin and have a much better camp than the last one. My tent is at the bottom of a wooded ravine and is perfectly sheltered from the wind. 
I am as comfortable as can be in a tent and have a grass carpet instead of the dust and dirt which made the floor of my last tent. October 30th, Berlin. I have just been put in an excellent humor, question mark, by seeing that, instead of sending the drafted men to fill the old regiments, as had been promised to me, they are forming them into new regiments. Also that, in face of the great want of cavalry with this army, they are sending the new cavalry regiments from Pennsylvania to Louisville instead of hither. Blind and foolish they have ever been in Washington, and so I fear they will continue to the end. Berlin, October, blank. It will not do for me to visit Washington now. The tone of the telegrams I receive from the authorities is such as to show that they will take advantage of anything possible to do me all the harm they can, and if I went down I should at once be accused of purposely delaying the movement. Moreover, the condition of things is such that I ought not to leave just now. The army is in the midst of the preliminary movements for the main march, and I must be at hand in this critical moment of the operation. If you could know the mean character of the dispatches I receive, you would boil over with anger. When it is possible to misunderstand, and when it is not possible, whenever there is a chance of a wretched innuendo, then it comes. But the good of the country requires me to submit to all this. Berlin, October 31st. I don't expect to move headquarters from here for a couple of days, but in the meanwhile the troops are constantly crossing and the army getting into position for the advance. October 31st. If you can get to a comparatively permanent place, you had better write to Dr. V to send the sash and saber by express to you, for I should hate to lose the ugly, rusty old thing, that is, if you would value it any, and perhaps our little child might value it after you and I are dead and gone. Miss Blank and two Mrs. Blank were at camp today. Of course there was a general row among the youngsters, and I came in for my share of the trouble in the shape of a visitation for an hour or so. I had a long visit from Mr. Bancroft, a historian, today. October 31st, after midnight. From the dispatches just received, I think I will move headquarters over the river tomorrow. The advance is getting a little too far away from me, and I wish to have everything well under my own hands, as I am responsible. November 2nd, Berlin. We are about starting to Wheatland, some eight or nine miles on the other side of the river. Pleasanton had considerable skirmishing yesterday with Stuart's cavalry. They exceed ours vastly in numbers. There may be some infantry skirmishing today, but nothing serious. November 4th. Slept under a tree last night, sharing what I had in the way of a bed with General Reynolds. There is some prospect of a fight today, but cannot tell exactly until I catch the extreme advance a couple of miles further on. November 4th, 11.30 p.m., near Middleburg. We are in the full tide of success, so far as it is or can be successful to advance without a battle. Tomorrow night, I hope to strike the railroad and telegraph again. No telegraph within 25 miles of this. November 5th, 9 p.m., camp near Rectortown. After a considerable amount of marching and skirmishing, we have worked our way thus far down into rebeldom. We have had delightful weather for marching and a beautiful country to travel through. We left Berlin on Sunday morning, the headquarters stopping at Wheatland, but I heard firing and rode to the front, going all the way to Snickers Gap, to the top of the mountain, and spending the night at Snickersville. Next morning I rode to meet the train, but heard some more firing, and rode again towards the front, and spent the night near Bloomfield, camp being some miles back. 
At Snickersville, I got a bed in a house to sleep in. At Bloomfield, I slept under a tree in the woods, so that last night I was very glad, after another long ride, to get to my tent again. Pleasanton has been doing very well again, has had some skirmishing pretty much every day. Today he came across Jeb Stewart and thrashed him badly. Jeb outnumbered him two to one, but was well whipped. There was some very pretty charges made. November 6th, 1 p.m., camp near Rectortown. The army still advances, but the machine is so huge and complicated that it is slow in its motions. November 7th, 2 p.m. Sumner returned last night. Howard returned this morning. I go to Warrington tomorrow. Reynolds is there now, Burnside at Waterloo, Bayard in front. Pleasanton and Avril are trying to catch Jeb Stewart again near Flint Hills. Couch is here and moves tomorrow towards Warrington. Porter and Franklin are at White Plains. Porter moves tomorrow to New Baltimore, thence next day to Warrington. Franklin moves day after tomorrow to New Baltimore. Sigel will remain at Thoroughfare Gap in the vicinity. The Manassas Gap Road is in such bad order that we cannot depend upon it thus far up for supplies. Gainesville will be the depot until the Orange and Alexandria Railroad is open to Warrington. We will have great difficulty in getting supplies by the Orange and Alexandria Railroad. Its capacity has been overrated. Lee is at Gordonsville. G.W. Smith was yesterday driven out of Warrington. 11.30 p.m. Another interruption, this time more important. It was in the shape of Burnside, accompanied by General Buckingham, the Secretary's Adjutant General. They brought with them the order relieving me from the command of the Army of the Potomac and assigning Burnside to the command. No cause is given. I am ordered to turn over the command immediately and repair to Trenton, New Jersey, and on my arrival there to report by telegraph for further orders. Of course I was much surprised, but as I read the order in the presence of General Buckingham, I am sure that not the slightest expression of feeling was visible on my face, which he watched closely. They have made a great mistake. Alas for my poor country. I know in my inmost heart she never had a truer servant. I have informally turned over the command to Burnside, but shall go tomorrow to Warrenton with him, and perhaps remain a day or two there in order to give him all the information in my power. Do not be at all worried. I am not. I have done the best I could for my country. To the last I have done my duty as I understand it. That I must have made many mistakes I cannot deny. I do not see any great blunders, but no one can judge of himself. Our consolation must be that we have tried to do what was right. If we have failed, it was not our fault. 8 a.m. I am about starting for Warrington. Warrington, Sunday, a.m. I expect to start tomorrow morning and may get to Washington in time to take the afternoon train. I shall not stop in Washington longer than for the next train and will not go to see anybody. I shall go on just as quietly as I can and make as little fuss as possible. The officers and men feel terribly about the change. I learned today that the men are very sullen and have lost their good spirits entirely. It made me feel very badly yesterday when I rode among them and saw how bright and cheerful they looked and how glad they were to see me. Poor fellows, they did not know the change that had occurred. Warrington, November 10th, 2 p.m. I am very well and taking leave of the men. I did not know before how much they loved me, nor how dear they were to me. Gray-haired men came to me with tears streaming down their cheeks. I never before had to exercise so much self-control. 
the scenes of today repay me for all that I have endured. The End End of Chapter 40 End of McClellan's Own Story by George Brinton McClellan